machine? Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I never get tired of hearing this story um, and just seeing how the Lord is working in their lives. It's, it's pretty pretty amazing. I haven't seen it a little bit. Um, how long do I have? No rain? Who said? 45 minutes? Okay. All right. We're going to get started. <laughs> you know, we know that this uh, divine power that we talked about earlier has given all to, uh, to us all things. Um, and it comes to the knowledge, right? It comes to the knowledge of, of him who called us by his excellence and his purity. I love that we saw that. Um, but tonight... Um, in verse four, second Second Peter, turn to your to your theme scripture, Second Peter chapter one. We're going to read verse four. It says, "By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature." having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so, girls, I'm not super creative. I already told you about the title. So we have divine power, and tonight is divine nature, if you're taking notes. And I love this word here, given. Given, right? Given. Something that means to bestow or deliver. It's an act of God to us. He bestows these promises to us. And you know what? This is not like a promise that depends on us keeping the law, but a promise which we receive by faith. I remember as a, a little you know, teenager sitting in that juvenile hall and saying to God and praying, God, if you will just find me a foster home with only a woman, because I just didn't want to go to where a man was, just like Hannah touched on, right? My experience said that would not be a good place for you. And I remember praying, if you will just put me in a place where there's only a woman, Lord, I'll go to church for six months. <laughs> that was my little promise to God at 14 years old, you know? And God has a sense of humor, and so he sent the social worker a few days later, probably, I think a couple days, within a couple days, I believe it was over a weekend, and she said, hey, I just want you to know that I found a foster home for you with just a woman. And so I went to this woman's home, and when I would have to go to school, I would have to pass these two Catholic churches. God has a sense of humor. So I would go in, and I would do my little holy water, cross, meal, whatever, you know, and I would wait, you know, I, I love the Catholic Church, it just seemed like this holy place, right, it's all, you know, got all these beautiful things in there, I think they're called idols, but whatever, um, <laughs> but I thought they were pretty, you know, um, I just liked it, I thought, wow, this is just a cool aesthetic, but, you know, nothing would happen, and then I thought, well, maybe if I just go to confession, and so I, I did, and then the, the father told me, you know, you just do the thing, you know. And so I, I knew part of it, not all of it, but I kind of muddled through the holy, uh, the mother of God, I don't know, something along those lines. But, you know, still nothing. 
But you know, if God's promises were dependent on me keeping my commitment, keeping my vow, that would be really bad. Because you know, after I did that about four times, I just gave up. And then I was like, well, yeah. And, and you know, there, there went that. There went that. So, you know, his promises are not dependent upon us keeping the law or making vows to him. They're just not. They depend on the fact that we receive them by faith. It's a gift. It's something that's bestowed on us. It's something that's delivered to us. And so we have to receive it, and we have to receive it by faith. And I love that Peter tells us here, that these promise are promises are exceedingly great. Now, my husband is a really godly man. I love him. He loves me like Christ loves the church. We've been married. We just celebrated our 35th anniversary. It was so sweet. And um, But my husband and I uh, honeymooned uh, in Mammoth, California, and then Yosemite, and then the Redwoods. And um, all of these places, to me, are a picture of these, that, that, that phrase, exceedingly great. The Greek word there means majestus, or majestus, however you want to say it in Greek. I'm Cuban, I don't know. <laughs> but it has this idea of mass and weight. That is the idea that this Greek word has. And that's what God's promises are like, you know? Um, when we were in the Redwoods, we did the same thing that most tourists do, even though we were Californians and we've been up there before. We stood there looking up. We're looking up to the Redwoods because, you know, they just go way, way, way up there. And it's unbelievable, right? It's just, you just kind of wonder, how in the world do they stay upright like that? Because they're huge and majestic. And what we found out on that little trip there was that the roots of these trees extend out in every direction for 50 feet, holding on to one another. And that is how they stand upright. And I think that's so much the body of Christ, but I also think that that is so much the promises of God, right? There's a majesty about them. It's unbelievably majestic and unbelievably beautiful. Um, I wanted to read uh, out of Ephesians really quickly because to me this is just such a picture of this majesty of the promises of God. And I'm reading out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, and it says this. This is Paul praying. And he says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, I love that word, we talked about it earlier today, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, that's his love, not our own love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know 
the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, I really believe that as we partake of Christ's nature, we're being rooted. We're grounded. We're rooted in his precious promises, in his great promises that we've been given. It, it's, it holds us up, and we're able, by his divine nature, and by his promises to partake of who he is, you know, that is a very powerful thing. It will keep you, it will keep you safe. And I love that Colossians chapter 2, verse 7 says, Let your roots go down into him. See, not into your own resources, not into your own vows or promises, but into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. How many of you know that there are a lot of spiritual powers in this world? And you know what? People are flocking to the spiritual powers right now in our world. They're flocking to false religions. They're flocking to false philosophies. They're flocking to false ideas, even within the church. And God is saying, you know what? I want you to partake of my divine nature. The way you do that is through these great and precious promises that I have, these exceedingly great promises, and those are trustworthy. Those promises are immovable. Those promises are unshakable because they're made by a God who can be trusted. He goes on to say here in Colossians that we should not uh, let anybody capture us through empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world, but rather from Christ. He says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. You know, the way to escape this corruption, you know, do you always, do you sometimes feel like um, maybe you're struggling with a sin and, and you're trying to get victory over it and you're trying and you're trying and you're striving and you're striving and you're wondering, why can I escape this? It, it's like, you know, this corruption has a hold in me. But the Lord says, no, no, no. It's for you taking part in my nature through my promises that you can escape that corruption by partaking and allowing the Savior to produce his life, not your own life, but his life in us. You know, we're being transformed, girls. We're being transformed, and we're going from glory to glory. The Lord calls us to be separate from the world. He says, you're in the world, but guess what? You're not of the world. You don't have to resemble the world. You don't have to talk like the world. You don't have to act like the world. You don't have to think like the world. You have something available to you that can transform your mind. It's called the Word of God. And guess what? You have the power of the Holy Spirit to empower you 
to apply that word to your life. And so we've got to get a hold of these promises. And so he says, you're not part of this world system and you don't have to be led by it. And it means that you and I have to be rooted. We have to be grounded in who he says that we are. We're women here and so much of the things that we struggle with come from a lack of understanding who we are. There's a lot being talked about in our culture today about nouns and pronouns and, and, and I don't even know, but you know, I don't even know. Somebody said, oh, the they, and I'm like, what do you mean? And it's like, I'm like, it's like an alphabet gospel. I can't even keep up with it anymore. You know, it's like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I don't, I, there's so many letters in there. I have no idea what they're talking about, you know? But the world is really trying to say, you can just be whoever you think you want to be. It doesn't matter. Just be whoever you want to be. But God says, I know you. I made you. I made you in my image. And you know what? It's really, really important that you know who you are in Christ. That you understand who you are in Christ. Because when you know that you are His, when you know that you reflect His glory, when you know that you were made to reflect His glory, when you know that He sees you in a certain way, and that you can walk in that confidence of who He declares you to be, there is power, and you can partake of His divine nature through those promises. And so I love that as women, we don't have to let anybody else tell us who we are. We don't have to say, oh, I'm a woman, I'm so oppressed. <laughs> we don't have to do that. I am not oppressed. And you know what, girls? You're not oppressed either, especially in the United States. You want to be oppressed, go to Cuba, okay? That's oppression, okay? When you have a communist country telling you what to do all the time, telling you how to think, where to go, what to eat, when to eat it, all of those things. That's oppression, okay? That's oppression. We are not oppressed here. We have freedom in Christ, and he made you to be free. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Lord begins to tell us who we are. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It has come. When Christ came and he paid the price on the cross and then he was in the grave and then he was resurrected, he said, it is finished. It is finished. The, the veil was torn from top to bottom. We didn't tear it from down here by our effort, by our praying hard enough, and about beating ourselves up over all the bad things we've done, or crawling on our knees, or any of those things. He tore the veil from top to bottom, and he made a way for us to come into the fullness of the promises that he has made us. He purchased those things for us so that we could own them, so that we could walk in them, so we could say, yes, Lord, I believe you. I'm going to apply that precious faith that you've given me to the truth that you are speaking, and I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to walk in it. I love that about the Lord. You know, all of this is from God. We, through Christ, 
reconciled us to himself, the word goes on to say, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, now counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Do you, do you understand that's your identity? You are an ambassador of Christ. God, for some reason, has decided that it was a good idea to make his appeal to a dying world through you and you and you and you and you back there and you back there and me. He's decided to do that as flawed as we are. I love that. That's our identity. The Lord has chosen to use us in this way. See, not only do we have the promise of a new identity and a new life, but we have this promise of a new mission. We no longer just live for ourselves. We live for the glory of God, with a mission that has been handed down. Hannah has a mission. You have a different mission. I have a different mission. Right? But we've all been called to the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of the different callings that are represented in this room all have one thing in common, and that is reconciliation with Christ. Reconciliation with God through Christ is what I meant to say. Okay? It, it's reconciling. It's bringing the two together so that we can experience his peace. And I love that about the Lord. And that's the first step in participating in the divine nature of Christ. This nature develops in you and I as we participate, as we say yes to the Lord, right? As we are attached and remain in the vine and to the vine. We have a new identity in Christ in 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living, so if you're reading it out of your Bible, it may sound a little different. But 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 says this. Peter says, I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He says, God the Father knew you. He knew me. Okay? And he chose you and he chose me long ago. And his spirit has made you and has made me a hot mess. No. Holy. Holy. Right? He's made us holy, is what he says. You are holy. It says, as a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed. So not only are you holy, but because you've responded to him, because you've been reconciled to him, guess what? He has cleansed you by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, may God give you more and more grace, love that, and peace. All praise to God, says Peter, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that you and I have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So it's not of our works, girl. It's, it's all his work. So now we live with great expectation. This new identity that you have 
that because you're a new creature in Christ, you now also have this great expectation. He says, we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. It is pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And he says, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive his salvation, which is, I love this, ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So you're God's chosen people. And he, and he says, you're living as foreigners. I, for one, am comforted by this fact because he says you're living as foreigners, but your citizenship is in heaven. We were just talking on the way here, and Lorraine says, well, so you can't travel anywhere. You can't go anywhere. Well, no, I can't because I have no passport, and I, I don't, I'm a non-existent person. They're going to detain me and go put me in a refugee camp if I try to leave somewhere else other than to Cuba. So, you know, it's a hot mess right now. But I love that. I love that comforts me, that my citizenship is in heaven. I love that. You know, um, some years ago, I was on a, uh, my daughter and I, one of my daughters and I went on a road trip. She took me to Florida, and I was able to visit my mother's grave. And I had never seen my father's grave, and, and the people there at the cemetery were able to, to find it and take me to it. And so they were both there together. His didn't have his name on it because there was no one to pay for it. Uh, but he was right next to my mom. And I remember, you know, it was, it was, I just didn't realize how it would affect me because, you know, I just never was able to see my dad buried. And um, God had, had done such a work in my heart of just, uh, you know, just forgiveness towards my dad and everything. But I remember my daughter and I were driving and I was just thinking about it and I was showing her places where I had lived and, and I was thinking about just the inheritance, right? The heritage. Um, I was thinking about my children and my grandchildren and the heritage that they have because their father and I have chosen Jesus and they have this godly heritage. And I was thinking about my husband and what a godly heritage he has because his parents and his grandparents and the ones before that chose Jesus. And I was thinking about this godly inheritance and I was like, Lord, you know, I, I don't have any of that. You know, my, my mom was into witchcraft, my dad, who knows? You know, I, I just, you know, I, I just have none of that. And the Holy Spirit was so sweet. And he said, no, you don't have any kind of earthly heritage. You're right about that. But what you do have is a holy, purchased by my son, godly heritage. And it is kept for you in an inheritance in heaven. And, and maybe for you, you feel like, well, you know, what do I have? You know, maybe your background is, is just like, you just don't know. But the Lord says, no, no, what you have is what I myself have purchased for you. If you've said yes to the Lord. And so, you know, here in this passage that we read, you're known by the Father. Peter says, I've called you by name, right? It's, that's what the Lord tells us. I've called you by name. You're mine. You are made holy by his spirit. You've been cleansed by his blood because he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and not only forgive us, but girls, you understand that he cleanses us? You are clean. 
because he not only has forgiven you, but he's cleansed you. <laughs> you. You don't have to wear the rags or the grave clothes. The Lord has removed those and he's cleansed you and he's cleansed me. Peter says, live expectantly because you have an abundance of grace and peace available to you. He says you have a priceless inheritance. And he says his inheritance is kept in heaven. It's guarded. It's priceless. It's pure. It's undefiled. It's beyond the reach of change or decay. And then there's this great promise that God is protecting you by his own power until you and I receive this greater salvation. Because this is not our home. It is simply not our home. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.9, I love this verse. And this is the one I was thinking about last night. It says, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That is a great, exceedingly great promise. And, and through that promise, we can partake of the nature of God. We have no idea. We have no idea the things that he has prepared for us and the things that he wants to work in us, the things that he is right now working in you. Maybe you're walking through something and you don't understand why you're walking through it, right? Hannah talked about that. She was in there. She wondered what could possibly be the purpose in all of this. But the Lord was doing a work. And he was taking her through certain things that she didn't understand, that maybe didn't really line up with her theology before, right? You know, sometimes we just think, oh, all should be well, all will be well. And Hannah was saying, well, it's not well, Lord. It is not well. It is not well with my soul right now. Like, what's happening here? But the Lord had a purpose in it for her, and he has a purpose in it for you, so that you can be a partaker of his nature. How is she partaking of his nature? Oh, guess what? She is love incarnate to these women who will come and, and where she can open up home, where they can come and they can feel like they are loved, accepted, and not just accepted, but wanted. Wanted. There's a difference. There's a difference in putting up with somebody because, you know, you're having dinner and they're coming and, you know, well, there they are. There's a difference in saying, Oh, I want you. I can't wait for you to be here. I can't wait to see your face. I'm so glad you're here. I don't even want you to leave. Can you stay longer? Right? There's a difference in being wanted than being just accepted. But I'm thankful that we're accepted in the beloved. Right? Because he is perfect. I love that. I love that he is the one who shows us that he is the one that made us holy and he keeps us as we hold fast to our faith and confidence in him. You know, we're partakers of his nature and we're partakers of his inheritance because we have that majestic and movable promise from the Lord. And you know, I, I have to tell you, I kind of um, question, oh good, where am I? You know, I question the Lord about this next portion of the of the study. I. I'm not a very good Christian. I, I really am not. I, you know, I, I, I just kind of, I don't know. Sometimes I get kind of judgy about things. And so when a speaker does this, I get a little impatient, like, okay, I got it. I got it. You made the point. You don't have to keep going on. So, uh, 
you know, the Lord just keeps humbling us, right? He just keeps humbling me, at least. But I really felt like this is how the Lord wanted the rest of this study to go, and, and it's how he led me. So I'm just going to ask you to bear witness or be uh, patient with me, and uh, don't get impatient with me. Don't be judgy towards me like I am to other speakers. Don't, don't do as I do, you know. Uh, but I just want, I, I really just felt like the Lord wants to equip us. I felt like he wants to equip us tonight. I felt like he wanted to remind us of what's available to us and about his promises and, and about how his promises really simply just come with the condition of us receiving them by faith. And so these are the things that I felt like the Lord put on my heart. And so, you know, we're going to be getting ready to go into a time of afterglow pretty soon here. And so I want you to kind of listen with open hearts. I know that some of these things you know and you've heard before, but I believe the Lord is wanting to stir our hearts. I believe he wants to search our hearts and to say, hey, is this where you're at? So just pay attention. And if there's something that sticks out to you, maybe jot it down so that when we get ready to have our afterglow time, you can sit and quietly wait on the Lord about these things. So he gave me these things, really a lot of them just questions with promises. And this is what I really truly thought. And girl, I don't say this. I'm just saying, oh, this is what I felt like the Lord put on my heart just because it's something I wanted to do. I truly, I'm, I'm too afraid of Jesus to do that. So... You know, I just felt like the Lord said, are you thirsty? Do you feel dry? Are you thirsty? Do you feel dry? He said, he is the living water. Are you hungry for more? You just are wanting more, more of God. You're just wanting more revelation. You're wanting more of who he is. You want to be more like him. And he just said, he is the bread of life that came down from heaven. And he says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Are you in darkness? He is the light of the world. And he says, this is one of my very favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. And I just put me in there. I just put she. She who follows me shall not walk in darkness. I walked in darkness for so long in my life in so many areas of my life and god has made that that verse so real to me and you know what i don't walk in darkness i walk in the light because he is the light of the world and then he says guess what you are the light of the world you are like a light that is set up on a hill don't hide it under a bushel don't don't be afraid to be who you are in christ let your light so shine before men, not so that you get glory, but so that others may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That is so important. Are you in sin? In a room this big, I can guarantee you there is sin and sin. I'm sorry to tell you. There is. Sin that you're not even probably aware of. And when I say that, you know, I'm not talking about the, the big things that we think of when we think of sin. I'm talking about sins of the heart, attitudes that we just don't even know. You know, a sin is just something that is just, it violates the holiness of God. That's all it is, right? 
But John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, when we behold Jesus, then we see ourselves clearly. Remember we talked about that, about Isaiah, when he saw the glory of God, and then he saw himself and who he really was. Are you in despair? He is the God of all comfort. He is the God of all comfort. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I think about, I love that verse where Paul says, you know, that uh, he despaired even of life sometimes. He went through some hard things. And, and when we walk this earth, we're going to go through some hard things. Maybe you're young and you're like, oh, no, my life has been pretty good up to now. I haven't really had a whole lot. Guess what? Hold on. It's coming. It's coming. Are you afraid? He says, fear not, I am with you. He's a good shepherd who lays his life down for you and who keeps watch over you. Are you lonely? I think there's a lot of people, especially over these last couple of years, that that is a big thing. They're lonely. There's been loss of friendships. There's been loss of families. There's been such a division, right? In, in, in our culture, in our churches, in our families. I know of families that because one voted one way and the other one voted one way, they're not speaking. And loneliness has set in. They feel lonely. And the Lord says, are you lonely? He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. My presence will go with you. Are you anxious? He's your peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Do you feel overlooked? He says, I, I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your portion. I'm your cup. I am your all in all. Are you weary? He says, I will give you rest. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Do you feel like you don't have a home? He is the one under whose wings you can find refuge. And he offers you a place near his courts. Do you need strength? Sometimes I, I've just been so weak. I'm like, Lord, I just need your strength. And he says, the joy of the Lord. Not your own joy. Not you trying to work up some kind of happy thing by positive confession. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. And for those who have no might, he promises to increase our strength. Are you broken? He came to heal the brokenhearted. That might be very, very, I know I keep saying that. Truly, it is. It's just, you know, when Jesus just stands in the temple and says, I came to heal the brokenhearted. He comes to heal the brokenhearted. Is your life in shambles? He is a wonderful counselor. He gives beauty for ashes the oil of joy for that spirit of heaviness, the garment of praise, right? I love that. You know, God forgives us because he is merciful. If we're going to be partakers of his nature, girls, we need to forgive the same way that we've been forgiven. And I think this is a big one that you have to ask for, Lord. You know, there's been a lot of rifts and, and, you know, even in the body of Christ, um, for some reason, we are a people who are easily offended. I always tell 
the girls on my women's ministry team, or we're doing events, or we're doing Bible studies, anything that we're doing, girls, would you just choose to be like a palm tree? You know, that wind comes, the, the cyclones in Cuba, they come, and those huge, tall, skinny palm trees, trees, what they do is they just bend down all the way, and then they bend back up, and they stand. A willow tree, I love a willow tree, but you know what? They are the worst. Those Santa Ana winds come along in California, those things just plop right over. They just plop right over. And that's how we are sometimes. We're like willow trees. We get rubbed the wrong way, and we just plop on over, you know? But we want to be like palm trees. And so forgiveness is big. If we're going to partake of the nature of Christ, we have to be good forgivers. We really do. It has been said that forgiveness is giving up your right to punish another. Giving up your right to punish another. He pours his love upon us because he is love and he restores us because he is a redeemer and he cares for us because he is faithful. So I just want to pray and um, then we're going to go. No, are we going to give them time to go potty? Okay, so I'm going to pray and then you girls are going to be released to go potty. And well, I mean, you know, you don't have to do that. Do whatever you need to do. <laughs> um, get, get something to drink, hang out. You have about 15 minutes, um, and we're good on time. We're perfect on time. We're even early, so hallelujah. Um, but we're going to pray first, and then I want to encourage you to come back quietly and to prepare your hearts. And, and you know, I I want to encourage you to maybe go over some of these things that we just talked about and that we closed with and say, Lord, would you search me? So let's just pray. Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you search our hearts? Lord, we want to receive your majestic promises. Lord, we want to respond to your great and exceedingly precious promises that we may be partakers of your nature, your divine nature, Lord. You have come to dwell within us, Lord. You have said, I am the vine. You are the branches. And Lord, so we are so connected to you. And Lord, we want to exhibit your nature, Lord. We want to produce the fruit that your life is meant to produce in us, Lord. We want to escape the corruption that is in this world that will really just seek to destroy us and to destroy your image in us, Lord, because that's really what the enemy comes to do. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are the one that has begun the good work in us. And you are the one who is going to accomplish and finish that work. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your great and precious promises that we have. Your exceedingly great and precious promises of who we are and what we have. In the name of Jesus, amen.